First Peter chapter number one. Peter is uh, Peter is a disciple that probably many people can rec- uh, identify with. We did a we did a Bible study through this on a Wednesday evening, and and I enjoyed that Bible study. But as I think about Peter, you think about that apostle who it just seemed like he always had something to say. He always had you know some kind of emotion that he felt he needed to say what was on his heart. Often, often after he said or did something, he, uh, he regretted it. How many of you can identify with Peter? You know, man, Jesus is getting ready to, to tell them that he's going to go to the cross and he's going to be crucified and, and uh, you know, the events that are going to unfold. And, and Peter, Peter says, that's not going to happen. He jumps in front and says, I'm not going to let it happen. Could you imagine? Can you imagine being one of the disciples and Jesus saying, get thou behind me, Satan? I mean, this is Peter. Then, 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 then uh, uh, Peter gets an opportunity to stand for the name of Christ and he cowards at that opportunity. And he says, I don't know who he is. And he curses. He curses and I don't, I don't know who this, this man is. He denies Christ and this is Peter. Peter who says, I go a fishing. I'm, I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going back to my old trade, doing what we did before. That same Peter is the one that said, I'll never deny you. I'll never leave you. I'll, I'll stand for you. And now we find Peter just back fishing. This is Peter. It's amazing if you then read the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter that this is the same man that we read as we're reading through the accounts of the uh, 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 apostles. It seems like Peter, like all Christians, there's a maturing process that takes place. God saved us, and then there's a process that we are to go through and, and uh, uh, that we are to mature as a Christian and become what God desires for us to be. The reality is this. The moment you got saved, nobody was everything that God desired for you to be. There's no one here yet perfect. There may be some that are farther along or more mature in their walk with the Lord than others, but it's a process that takes place every day in our life. It ought to be something that we continue to do every day of our life. And we find the result to that with Peter. Peter then God uses to preach at the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls are saved. That's Peter. And then God uses Peter to pen these, this book, 1 Peter, to, to uh, uh, the church. Strangers that are scattered abroad, those that are saved. He uses this to to Peter to pen this book. And there's so many great, interesting things that we find in the book of 1 Peter. I just want to be a few moments tonight and I want to bring some of these things to our attention. In 1 Peter chapter number one and verse number three, the Bible says this, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein we greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. In verse number seven, that the trial of your faith, 
being much more precious than the gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know what Peter is saying there? Every one of us are going to have trials in our life. The trial should not, should not define who you are. The trials there to, 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 to move you and mold you to become what God desires for you to be. Maybe you're in a trial tonight and you say, boy, I'm in a trial and, and I, I'm a child of God. And I don't understand why I'm in a, a trial here. Peter is saying that there's a trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Most of us would never look at a trial as something of value. I, my wife and I were at the hospital this afternoon. Jan Keck is in the hospital. She uh, had a pretty serious infection, and they, f- they found her laying on her, her floor in her bathroom, and, and they had to take her by the emergency squad last evening to the hospital, and, and uh, uh, she uh, just said, boy, I, I didn't even realize I was sick. I've not been sick like this. The reality is we've seen a lot of people in our church over the last period of time bury someone that they love. We've seen church members pass away. We've seen family members and loved ones of church members pass away. And and, uh, that's a great trial. Others are going through sickness. Others will have procedures this week and and, uh, 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 physical things this week. Others are going through things in their family. There's some that may be going through job situations and financial burdens and, and all kinds of different uh, uh, trials that we're going through. And a lot of times, Christian, we come to church and we think that we're the only one that has a problem. Because, you know, when we come to church, everybody looks right, everybody smiles, everyone acts like everything's perfect. But what you don't realize is there's a lot of people all around you going through trials. You going through a trial doesn't make you a bad Christian. It doesn't mean that God's angry or God's upset with you. It doesn't even mean that you've done something wrong. There's trials that Christians go through that God allows us to go through because going through that trial, getting through that process, that trial, God receives glory in their life. And God is after receiving glory in your life. God desires for us to give him glory. God desires for us to worship him. God desires to get praise. God desires that in everything, whether it be something we take pleasure in or a trial, God desires to receive glory through us. Peter here understands trials. Peter understands burdens. I want to go back to verse number three. Peter says this, blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, I love that word abundant mercy there. It's more than I need and it's more than I deserve, but it's always available. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I love hearing about mercy. I love the song that we heard this morning about grace and the congregational song we sang this evening about grace. We ought to be excited. We have this abundant mercy. We have grace through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. that, That hope that we have, it's alive. That hope that we have uh, uh, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's a living hope. It's not a dead hope. Listen to me, we didn't come here this evening. We didn't study the word of God this morning. You don't open it up in your own private devotion tomorrow. And we're not serving a dead God. We're not serving a dead religion. We're not serving idols. We're serving a living God. And we have hope and it's alive because of who Jesus Christ is. 
There's religions all around this world that they can't celebrate the resurrection of their Messiah, of their Savior. There's many that'll go and they'll worship an idol. There's many that'll go to a tomb and they'll go and they'll do what they do at a tomb where a dead body lays. But I'm gonna remind you this evening, there is no tomb that's holding our savior. There is no tomb where the body of Jesus Christ lays. And it's not because they've lost it. It's not because they've misplaced it. It's not because the disciples came in and took his body. The reason why there's no tomb with the body of our savior, because he is alive. And that hope we have is a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of that, because of that, any trial we have as a Christian, we have confidence that our God is in control. He says this lively hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a man-made hope. It's not a religious thing. It's not about works. I didn't merit it because of something I've done. I simply obtain it because I accept by faith that free gift that God gives through Jesus Christ. And he says this in verse number three, this lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he gets into verse number four. And he talks about an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that faith not away, reserved in heaven for you. He says all this before he gets to the place of trials. Christian, we must remember there's an inheritance reserved for us. That inheritance is not one that we receive like our parents or our grandparents or, you know, everyone prays for the rich uncle that you don't know that he died and all of a sudden you get a letter. How many of you gotten those emails but I get them every week. I, I didn't know I had so many people I knew from around this world that wants to give me their millions and millions of dollars. All I have to do is give my bank account, you know? And I didn't know I knew so many rich people. How I many of you gave them your bank account? Some of you looked down. It's a scam, don't do it. <laughs> but it's not an inheritance that's gonna fade away. It's not an inheritance that, that's gonna be corruptible. What we have, we have heaven. We have eternal life. We have salvation. And Peter is reminding us this. Before he gets into the verses now where he's talking about the trial of our faith, he's reminding us about this abundant mercy. He's reminding us about this lively hope. He's reminding us about this inheritance. Listen, Christian, I don't know what you're going through today, and I'm not minimizing the burden that you're carrying or the trial you're enduring, but what I am doing tonight is maximizing who God is. He's God, he's in control. He, is, he understands what you're going through. He's allowing you to go through this and that trial that you're going through, there's something he desires out of your life. Aren't you so glad to know that it's not finished when we're done here upon this earth? We're not just placed in the ground and there for all of eternity, our body just rots. Paul said, I'd rather be absent from this body and present with the Lord. Paul said this, when, when we're not here in this body, we're then present with the Lord. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. We hear all through scripture this promise of eternal life, this promise of salvation, this promise that we have through Jesus Christ. This promise, this inheritance we have, it's not a corruptible thing. It's not something that we have to worry about that's gonna fade away. Listen to me, the moment that you trusted Jesus Christ as your savior from that moment on, you have an inheritance that is alive and that's forever and no one can ever take that from you. You can't lose it. 
I talk to Christians every so often. And they're afraid that God might get upset with them or mad with them and they lose salvation. They lose what, and I would say this often, I'd say when someone says that, I'd say, but you didn't do anything to get it. Jesus Christ did it all. It's his mercy and his grace. It's not anything that you've done. You can't do enough good to get it and you can't do enough bad to lose it. It's all because of the abundant grace of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, or, or Peter then, he's encouraging us as a believer. He says in verse number five, who are kept by the power of God through what? Faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Where, wherein ye greatly rejoice through now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptation. And then he gets into verse number seven, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than the gold that perisheth. He says, that trial that you have, that you may see as no value, that you may see as worthless, that you might see that life would be better without this trial. Peter says that trial is worth more to you than priceless gold. That trial is worth something to you. Now, how many of you have ever been in a trial or carrying a burden and you woke up and you said, you know, this is so good. I enjoy this. I just want to live right here. I mean, I like living in trials. I like waking up and facing problems. How many of you wake up and say, Lord, give me problems today. I, I just want to face a problem. I mean, ruin my finances today so I can just praise you. Cause me to fight with my spouse today. So just so that we can make up and glorify you. Let me lose my job today, Lord, so I can tell everyone at work how great you are. Lord, let cancer visit my family so that we can just rely upon you for healing. The reality is this, we don't ask God for those things. We don't ask God for trials. Normally when a trial hits us, it's not something we've said, Lord, thank you. I've been asking for this. Most of the time, it's something that we're not expecting. It's something we don't want. But God says here through Peter, he says this, that trial, that trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. What we think is valuable to us, in God's economy, it's different. So we think is we, if we have all God's blessings, if we think that if, if, if we have all of our bills paid and everybody's healthy and everyone's doing well and, and everything goes, life goes my way and I have a job and I have security, if all of those things are going well, you know what? Then life is good. But this evening, I want to submit this to you. God doesn't always see it the way we see it. But the way God sees it is always Right? How we see life isn't always right. How many of you are one of those, you're always right in everything? My wife says that to me sometimes. She says, why do you think you're always right? And I said, if I was wrong, I'd tell you. But then I'd be right, because <laughs> I'd tell you I was wrong. Really, it's, it's, as human beings, sometimes we, 
do think we're always right. We think that we have it all planned out. We think that life should be a certain way. In God's economy, life is not always the way the human being thinks it ought to be. I guess it's been a few months now, Pastor Oscar, hasn't it been? Pastor Oscar, he was working out and he thought he pulled something. And he didn't pull anything. It was a heart attack waiting to happen. He goes into the hospital. And God puts right in his path a nurse. And we look at how could somebody, boy, this is a horrible thing. And, and, and we sat with Zeta during the entire surgery. And, and it was difficult to say, Zeta, now this is all God's will. Praise the Lord today. Oscar's, you know, having this bypass surgery here. No, we were a little concerned. She went in to see him after, after surgery. And I said, Zeta, I'll go in with you because he was all masked up and before she saw him, he was, you know, a hunk. <laughs> they call him Rico Suave. I mean, he is GQ magazine. Then she went in, they shaved his chest and had things coming out of his face. And he looked a mess. And Zeta looked at him and she started to cry. She said, I can't stay here. You look at a trial like that and you say, well, how can God be in that trial? In the last couple of weeks, you know who's been in church? His nurse and her husband. She said to me, she said, I just had to come to the place because the testimony that Oscar and Zeta were, I just wanted to come see their church. They told me so much about. You know what she hears? The gospel. We could take so many opportunities. I was at a store with my wife and a lady came up to me, young lady. And she says, you're a pastor, aren't you? I said, I am. She said, you preached at funeral. It was for Tony Dissop. She says at that funeral. And she says, I got thinking about what you had said, and boy, you have really caused me to think about life. Able to speak with her and talk with her. You know, some of the trials that we go through, all the trials that we go through, God uses for his glory if we allow him to. I don't know what you're going through this evening. I don't know what you're enduring. I don't know the trial of your faith. But God desires to use that trial to bring him glory. It's not a trial there to ruin you. Peter doesn't speak of it in such a way where this is it. This is the trial of your faith. He says that this is the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at what? The appearing of Jesus Christ. I've been doing a lot of studying. I mean, a ton of studying. Driving my wife crazy, the things I'm listening to and the books I'm reading for this series I'm preaching on Sunday mornings. 
And I keep coming back to scripture. I was doing some study and I came to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. I've read that. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor, as I stand here and do the Lord's table. I've read it so many times and it, was, it hit me. It says right there, we do this until the Lord comes back, till he returns. Right here. He says, this trial of your faith, that we be tried with fire might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing, at the appearing, look, see there with me, at the appearing of Jesus Christ. There's so many verses, so many references that we see and we study and we read and we preach from. And they, you know what I find? They're all pointing back to this. He's coming back. The trump's going to sound. Listen, that trial you're going through, it is only going to be for a period of time. How do I know that? Because he's coming back. The trump's going to sound. That, that archangel is going to sound that voice. And the trump of God is going to sound. And Jesus is going to step out in those clouds. And he's going to come back. And he's going to get those that have trusted him as his Savior. The dead in Christ are going to rise. And those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up into the clouds forevermore. He says, comfort one another with those words. How do we have comfort in a trial? We have comfort because he's coming again. And we're to comfort one another with those. And church ought to be a place where hurting people can come and find help. Because church, we're always going to have hurting people. Until that trump sounds, there's always going to be hurting people. When that trump sounds, there's no more hurt. There's no more pain. There's no more death. There's no more sorrow. There's no more disappointment. But until that time, we can look forward and know that God uses every trial to bring himself glory. I don't know what you're going through this evening, but Christian, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't think that God has failed you. Don't quit on God. Don't quit on your faith. Don't quit on living for Christ. Continue to live because he is coming again. Don't quit tonight, Christian.